Well, good morning, City Light. Good morning. Hey, how are we doing? Good. Sunny day. Are we ready for the, uh, the extra day off? Who has an extra day off this week? A few of you? Yeah? Are we celebrating that or are we a little disappointed you don't get to go to work tomorrow? Like, oh, man, I want to go to work tomorrow. Anybody? No one? <laughs> so, well, um, man, it's just awesome to be here with you guys today. Uh, we're, as uh, Stephanie said, we're going through our core values, and when we talk about core values, what we're talking about is that which we hold near and dear. Uh, we're talking about that which is the foundation for our existence, and so our core values, that is the hill we're going to die on. So that's what we're going to fight for, that's what we're going to aim for, that's what we're going to shoot for, and that's what we're, we're about, okay? And so if you're joining us for the first time, uh, my name is Jason, um, as Stephanie said, um, this is so so. So awesome to have you guys here this morning, um, and so it's just a good time to be here if this is your first time walking through the core value season with us. And so um, today we're looking at the core value of, um, of community. So we have four core values. We have down, up, in, and we, we consider that to be community, and then also out. And so we have the gospel, which is down. Um, I'm having a hard time remembering these days. Down, up, which is, um, I cannot remember this morning. Someone help me out. What do we got? We got the gospel, right? You guys, this is a test. What's that? Yes. Yep. Spiritual formation. And we have in, which is community. And then we have out, which is mission. And so, didn't that happen? I don't know. Is that old age or what? Like, you got it. It's locked in. You got it memorized. You said it a thousand times. And, and it, yeah. It's like the Lord's Prayer. I, I have to have that written down, and I lose it. So... Man, so that, but you know what? That's why we do the core values, right? It's because we're prone to forget. And, and so we come back to it, which is really sweet, works well into the message. So maybe God just gave me a very practical thing that we'll see a little bit later about how that works into the message. And so today we're looking at community, right? We're talking about um, our desire to want to be a part of a group. And we know there's different communities. There's political communities. Um, you can get in fights and arguments about that. There's geographical communities, cities, towns, locations. And there's also communities that are formed along an interest. Like us right here. We have a belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is our reason for community. We are centered around that. And the reason that is the first and the foremost is because that's what forms us. And so we are people being shaped and molded by Jesus Christ because of his work on the cross. Does that make sense? So in that, he's forming us into a community. You know what's interesting about community is everybody longs to be a part of a community. And we see that, that desire all the way back in creation. You guys are pretty familiar with, some of you are familiar with the book of Genesis. In the second chapter, God creates the world. And he says, after he creates the world, everything is good. So there's perfection, right? And then he says something. He says, let us, let us make man in our image. So there's a plural there. So God creates Adam out of community. Us is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so in that image is this longing for community. So we were birthed out of community, right? So God, out of community, creates Adam. And then after he creates Adam, before sin entered into the world, before anything was wrong, before there were any marital disagreements at all, he said, it's not good for man to be alone, right? And so we see the foundation for community being laid in the very beginning. So within every person, then, is this desire to be a part of a group of people. We long to be a part of a group of people. And some groups, some communities can be beneficial to us, and some can be harmful to us. 
But everyone in here desires to be a part of a community. Now, that community could be large, it could be small, it could be one person, two people, it could be a thousand people. If you're an introvert or extrovert, you get there's different things. Like, man, when I'm with a large group of people, I get burned out. And so I need to kind of go be alone by myself for a little bit. I'm like, sure, is it really good to be alone? But even for introverts, if we live life completely 100% isolation, the truth that it's not good for man to be alone would play itself out. And so everybody here has a desire to be part of a community. That gets fleshed out in different ways, right? And so we are centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ as that fulfillment of our longing for community. And so we believe that ultimately desire for community cannot be fulfilled or quenched until a person comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ. So until the gap is bridged between us and God, there will always be a longing for community. Does that make sense? So God has woven within your heart and our heart to want to have friends and family, very practically, because God gave Adam Eve, right? And then also to have a relationship with the Father. And so everybody in here has this deep-seated need and desire for community. And what's interesting um, is we see that play out in a whole host of different ways. Um, I was mowing the lawn yesterday, which I'm finding as I get older, I, just, I enjoy it less and less. And so if anybody in here would like to mow a lawn for free, because I have four kids, I will even pay for gas to mow my lawn anytime, right? If you guys enjoy I got a neighbor that enjoys it. He mows his lawn like every day. And I'm like, man, just walk across the street, come mow mine, it'd be a sweet thing. But if anybody enjoys mowing the lawn, come on over. But as I was mowing, it was one of the, I think, it, it was like torture. I'm mowing, and my neighbor is grilling out. And, you know, when you haven't had lunch yet, and you're smelling, when you put flame to meat, it is like, I get how that, that aroma was pleasing to God. Like, some people are like, I don't get how sacrifices are pleasing to God. Like, you've never stood next to a grill then and smelled a grill. <laughs> I, I'm mowing, and I'm smelling that. I'm going, I'm starting to salivate. Like, I feel like Pavlov's dog. It's, I'm thinking, man, this is, this is incredible. Like, I might just go invite myself to their graduation party, um, which, ironically, later on, my kids did, and they just went and joined them, and they welcomed them. And so I thought, man, I should have done that earlier. <laughs> But as I'm mowing, I'm smelling that, and I'm, I'm being drawn to it. And I started thinking, what's the foundation for community? Like, why do we have graduation parties? Why do we have birthday parties? Why do we have um, uh, birth parties? We have um, newlywed parties. I mean, you have all kinds of different parties. At the core of all of those is the desire to want to connect. But more foundational than that is the desire to be loved and to love. And so I know for some of us, like, no, when I graduated, I was just there to see how much money I could get, which I, I get that. And when my kids have a birthday party, they're not completely selfish, but then they're like, how much money did I get? And so I understand that. And so there is a selfish reason sometimes when we gather, but if the foundation or the reason why we gather is because we want to be loved or we want to love. And so we see this biblical precedence where God, out of love, creates Adam. And then out of love says it's not good for Adam to be alone, and so he gives Adam Eve and then out of God's love for you, he has given you people next to you. And so what we believe is that God in his great mercy and love has conquered death. He has taken away the consequences of sin and he has given us back relationships which we strongly need and we desire. And so what we believe is that sin alienates us from God. And so practically you can be alone in your sin or together in love for Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? 
And so when we talk about community, what we're talking about is a place where we go to functionally be loved, but also to functionally love. And so it's a give and take. It's a two-way street. And that's one of the things I love about community, is it's a road that's paved in two ways. One way towards community is love, and the way away from community is sin. And so if we're being drawn to community, that means God's grace and mercy is bringing us in. If we're going away, the honest reason why is because there's probably some sin, be it ours or someone else's. And so sin destroys relationships, and love brings us back together. But not anybody's love, it's specifically the love of a father in heaven. Jesus Christ love. And so what I want to do today is I want to open up to um, Colossians. We read from there this morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. Um, I want to try to answer three questions this morning. I want to answer who gathers in community. I want to try to answer um, how we gather and why we gather. So I want to try to answer those questions to help us understand, like, what's the purpose for gathering? Like, we just here to check a box and then leave, or are we here for something more fulfilling than that, right? And so open up the Colossians. I know Stephanie read it, but I want to read verses 11 through 16 again. And so here we go. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, got compassion of hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, and hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. All right. So we see here, like we don't just make up things. We go, you know what, this sounds like a good idea. We find the basis of all of our behaviors, all of our actions in Scripture. We believe that God spoke to us, that he has given us his word so that it can prove to be fruitful, or let me say this, it can be beneficial in our life. And so when we talk about community, what we're saying is we want a community that is found in the Bible. And what we see here, let's set the context to help us understand this passage, is the Apostle Paul is writing to a church at Colossae. And he's writing in the context of a fairly young church, similar to our situation here. He's writing to a fairly young church in a town that had practically seen its better days. It was once a hubbub of activity, and now there's other cities that are around it. They're becoming more uh, prosperous, more economically um, attractive. And so Paul is writing to a fairly young church, and he's writing to them because they had forgotten some things that were important, similar to earlier, right? Sometimes we forget things that are important to us. Um, Fortunately, I've never forgotten a kid at a grocery store or anything like that, but sometimes we forget things that are important to us. And so Paul is writing to them because they had started to hear these teachings that Christ wasn't preeminent. I appreciate Tracy reading this morning that Christ is the head, Christ is the body. And so what they started to do, we think, we're not certain, because Paul doesn't specifically um, um, name it, but we think they started to worship other angels. If you read the second chapter, you see that they started to kind of take Christ, this is impossible, but off of the throne and started to equate other people with them, and they started to worship other people. 
And so one of the reasons why we do our core values is because we never want to forget who Christ is and what Christ is. Our natural human disposition is to drift from that which is good with us, good for us. We will drift towards um, things that are harmful for us. And if you don't believe me, watch kids, watch teenagers. And those of you who think, you know what, I'm a lot older than a kid, I don't know if that kid heart ever gets out of us, right? As an adult, I still think one of the funnest activities for a male is to blow something up, break it, or set it on fire. And I don't know if that ever goes away. So there's always a childlike mentality within us, and that's good. God has created us as kids, right? And so Paul is writing to this church, and he's reminding them who Christ is, but then he starts to remind them who they are. And you notice who they are. Do you notice who the church is? One of the first things we see is who gathers, right? We see the love of Jesus Christ brings everyone together. So the first thing that Paul does is he says there's no ethnicity in Jesus Christ. None. There's no, there's no black. There's no white. There's no Mexican. Everybody is the same. So he tackles the, the ethnic card. Sets that aside. He says, if God has formed a community, there's no distinction. You see, here's the thing. Sin creates distinctions. The love of Jesus Christ creates equality. And so what, what Paul is saying, when the church gathers, there is no difference. It's brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. So we demonstrate functionally the power of Jesus Christ's love to shape and transform by gathering with people who don't look like us, who don't talk like us, who don't act like us. Why would we be with these people other than there's this thing between us called Jesus Christ? Does that make sense? And so we testify to a world the power of the gospel functionally to gather with people who don't look like us and act like us because there's no reason some of you guys would ever be in public with me, right? I mean, because you're like, I'm with this guy sort of at a distance, right? I'm here really because he's paying for lunch, but, the, but practically I'm here because I have to. But there's no reason in some instances why we would be together. And that's the beauty of it. Now, we're, we're all here um, of, of similar I'm going to say economic status, because we do have people that are different. But ethnicity, background, we're all Midwesterners primarily. But when you get into some cities, like you got people who literally were born in other countries. And it's a beautiful thing to see, man, there's nations represented in the church of Jesus Christ. So functionally, everybody gathers. There is no distinction. It does not matter who walks through those doors. We celebrate and say amen. It doesn't matter how they're dressed. It doesn't matter their history, their background. We don't see any distinction in them. We just simply point them to Jesus Christ and trust that the Holy Spirit would change them as he changes them. And in the meantime, we love them despite who they are because we don't see a distinction in them. Does that make sense? That's crazy difficult. That's hard. That's us wanting to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Because if we're honest, in our humanity, we want to say they're different than us, and so I don't want them over my house. They're different than us, and so I don't really want to spend time with them. Because some relationships, if we're honest, are work. Like, like your husband and wife. Like your kids. Right? Those are work. So at some point, the ease of a relationship falls away. And Paul is saying, look, I get the ethnicities can create a rub. But in Christ, there's no distinction. And so then he does something else. He says there's no barbarian. And he goes one step further, further and he says there's no Scythian. Is that how you say that? I had it memorized. I think that's how you say it. There's, I know some of you guys who are English grammar. He's like, that's not even close how you say it. That's, you're just brutal. Yeah, I mean, that's terrible. That is even worse than a barbarian. 
So Paul, in his mind, is trying to say, let me pick the worst of the worst and say, man, if they come to the church and plant themselves in the body of Jesus Christ, that's, that's who they are. That's your brother and sister. And then he says, Christ is in all. So if Jesus doesn't make a distinction, we don't make a distinction. So Paul is saying, in Jesus Christ, we celebrate everyone. Does that make sense? So when we talk about community, when we talk about our core value, we value those who come to Jesus Christ, but we also value those who have yet to come to Jesus Christ, and we hope and we pray because we're experiencing this, the grace and the love of a Father that shapes us by our belief in the gospel that they would come to Christ, and so we love them. So when we go out into the communities, we don't see the sin that other people are committing, or we don't say, man, how could they act like this, or I can't believe that because that's, our sins have been revealed to us, right? So we should be humble and be like, man, I get how they could act like that. But we don't look at their life and say, man, you, you got, we, don't, we don't have this self-righteous or this judgmental attitude. And we say, man, how could you guys be like that? Like, we get it. Instead, we have this heart that says, man, why don't you come join us? There's a family that's going to welcome you. There's a family that's going to love you. There's a family that's going to say, if Christ is in you, you're in us. We're all in. And so we functionally demonstrate the power of the gospel by living out in community. And sin is going to want to pull us apart, Right? If it's a two-way road, naturally what's going to happen is you're going to say, man, I don't, I don't have time. Like, I'm busy. Who isn't busy, right? Who's not busy? Like, who hasn't been hurt by somebody? And so there's going to be these rubs where if we're honest, we're going to say, man, it's easier to live life in isolation. Then we're going to go back all the way and say, man, it's not good for a man to be alone. And so if we're functionally alone... If we're putting ourselves in a position to be alone, we have to start asking some questions. Like, man, why am I wanting to be alone? Like, what's going on in my heart? If the context for spiritual formation, if the context for good, the context for any good is in community, then there should be something within us that wants us to go to community. So let me, let me say this to you a little bit differently. Nothing good happens apart from community. Does, does that make sense? I mean, that's pretty extreme. That's a universal truth. Nothing good happens apart from community with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And nothing good happens apart from the community with the bride of Jesus Christ. So if we want anything good in our life, we're dependent upon those two relationships. Does that make sense? But here's the beautiful thing about this. You guys need me, right? Like, you can't get rid of me. God has woven it so that it's not good for you to be alone for me. And also, I can't be alone from you. That's the way God has done this. He has formed us and fitted us in such a way that we need each other. And so if we want good, if we say, you know what, it would be easier to check out. I'm struggling with life, and so I think I'm just going to stay home on Sunday. I'm not going to gather with the church on Tuesday or Thursday. There's this reminder that God has knitted our hearts together in such a way that we need each other. And, and so we can practically know that God loves us because he has given us people in our lives who need us and also that we can need. Does that make sense? That's what I love about this is Paul is saying, look, everyone is welcome in Jesus Christ. There is no distinction. The power and love of Jesus Christ can cover any sin that exists and remove any distinction that we might think otherwise might be there. And so when we gather, we gather with, as a family and we look and we say, that's my brother and my sister in Jesus Christ. I'm no better than them and they're no better than me. And so if there's a feeling like, man, they're better than me, then we need to run to the Father with that. We say, God, why do I feel like these people are better than me? Because if we're all equal, 
then there's some grace to be had there. And so we see where Paul is reminding us that everyone gathers. And so we, we see here where there is this love that pulls us together. But also, if we keep reading here, we see how we gather, when we gather. And we see this in verse 12, 13 and 14. I want to read it again. It says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And look at this, the preeminent thing. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So that's the how we gather. But what type of people do you hang out with? Well, you should come check it out. They got compassionate hearts. They're, they're people of mercy. They're people who are forgiving. Like, that's the descriptive of us. And I know some of you guys right now are reading that and go, man, that, <laughs> you didn't see me arguing with my spouse. That doesn't describe me right there. And that's why I love what Paul then says. Is he says, you must also forgive. Because that's kind of for those uh-oh moments. Like, man, I, I did something I shouldn't have. I said something, and now I need to forgive. But isn't that beautiful to know that the expectation for the person sitting next to you when you hurt them or harm them, isn't that they check out and they say, I'll see you, but the expectation is that they forgive you. Isn't that beautiful? That's called unconditional love. That's God cementing people in your life with the expectation that when we mess up, when we sin against them, because we will, they're going to forgive us. That's the expectation you guys have of me. That's the expectation I have of you. And so at some point, if we hang out enough, there's going to be those uh-oh moments. Because we're not always going to be compassionate, right? We're not always going to be tenderhearted. We're not always going to be patient. Some of you guys, right? Some of you guys, no, I'm good, man. That's, you're describing me to a T. Well, I'm not describing myself right now. And so I don't know if anyone can relate. I, I'm, I am grateful that I have that uh-oh in there, that you guys have to forgive. And so the way we, we gather are people who are being formed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's changing us, Right? So we don't, we don't gather just as people who are excited about some sporting event. We don't gather as people who are about some political act. We don't gather because, hey, the water bill's too high in Emerson, and we're going to fight for lower water bills. If you live here in Emerson, you get that. It's crazy expensive. It's like 10 times the cost of in Omaha. I'm thinking about maybe just taking water from Omaha and getting in here. So you actually, you could. Like, I think there's going to be a black market that starts pretty soon. People are going to slang um, water in Emerson. You guys come here and be like, hey, instead of a dollar for a gallon, I'll give it to you for 50 cents. And, I mean, so there, there's a black market to be had here. Um, and so when we gather as a church, those of you who live here, like, you get it. You feel the pain. Like if we, it's, so if you don't live here, man, I'm, be, be grateful that God has put you where he's put you. Right? What's that? Yeah, and bring us water, right? When you come over and you say, what should we bring? And we gather, bring some water with, right? And so, and if you really love us, bring some bath water with. But so, so we gather as people that have it. That's the type, right? So Jesus has just put on us, or Paul has just put upon us, kind of, if we're honest, a heavy weight. It's an expectation when we say, you know what? We're, we're probably not going to measure up to that, but there's grace in that. And we see where there's this pull where he says, above all these... Put on love, right? Above all of the compassionate hearts, all of the acts of service, all of those, if any of those are done out of a context of love, then you've missed the mark. Love is the bond that cements relationships for eternity. 
We know that love is eternal, that God is love. And so if we love somebody, what we're functionally saying is for the rest of your life and for all of eternity, our relationship is, is, is gold. Like we're friends for eternity. God isn't forming something just for today. He's forming something for all of eternity. And so functionally, the way we gather, the way we gather will testify to a watching world about who and what Jesus is. Jesus is. That makes sense. And so if we put on love, if that's our clothing that we wear, because that's what this, this, um, this translation didn't say clothe, but the New American Standard says clothe yourself. How many of you guys were concerned with what you wore this morning? Anybody? Anybody comb your hair? A few of you? Like two of you were like, rest of you, like I don't know, I just what was there, the light was dark, I threw it on, I really didn't care. It's just a coincidence that they match and it's ironed and so no one else here cares. Well, I'm glad because three of us cared about what we wore today, right? And I'm actually proud of myself. I have matching socks today. That doesn't happen a lot in our house. So I'm just, that's why I'm showing. And they're new, so they're white. So this is, this, I'm excited that my socks even match. I care, I care today about what I... And I ironed, and so I'm kind of proud of myself. It's a big day. And so I'm easily amused with myself. I think Tracy said it this, this week. Is you are, you, what, what did you say? I forgot. Yes, you are your own best audience. And so that's true. I'm the only one who thinks I'm funny sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a good day. So Paul says to clothe yourself in compassion. And so I was, as I've been studying this for the last couple of weeks, I said, man, there's certain texts I pray through every morning. I'm going to start praying through this text every morning. This is a, a new text for me. God, would you give me a compassionate heart? Would you give me a heart to forgive? I want to clothe myself with this type of character. And, and I hope that as a church, this is the character that describes us. When we go out to the community, they say, these people, man, they're, they're compassionate. Not because of, of, of us, that's because of our character, because, man, they love Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus is doing. And they might not be able to say that, but they, they'll say, man, these people are compassionate. Go gather with them. Man, they really don't care about how you walk through the doors. They're excited when you walk through the doors. And so this is a verse. I think for us, practically, we could start praying through. And so everybody gathers, right? Everybody. It doesn't matter. Everybody is welcome. Everybody gathers. And when we gather, we clothe ourselves as compassionate, loving, graceful people who have a heart towards forgiveness. And we're people who functionally recognize, you know what? And there's going to be uh-oh moments where we have to work at forgiving people. It's not always going to be easy. Sometimes, like marriage, like raising your kids, there's going to be hindrances to community, but we're going to persevere and fight through them. We are going to be people who will die so that communities can be formed. Does that make sense? Like, that if, that's, if we're soldiers in this, I mean, man, this is getting serious now. I ain't talking about dying. I'm talking about dying to ourselves. And so if we say, you know what, man, I would rather stay at home and watch new episodes or whatever than go to church. I would rather watch whatever episode than go gather with my city group. We're going to say, you know what, we're going to go to a city group because nothing good happens outside the context of community. And so the last question we asked is, why do we gather? And so we looked at who gathers and we looked at how we gathered. And now we're going to look at why we gathered in verse 15. It says this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Look at this, church. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. I want to pause here for a second. So we gather because of Jesus Christ, right? 
Everybody gathers because of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus who is spiritually forming us. It's Jesus who has given us life. We believe functionally apart from Jesus that communities cannot be formed. Now, that sounds pretty extreme. I get it. I know. But that's the truth that we believe, that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we could have a relationship again with our God. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you and I can have a relationship, not just for today, but for all of eternity. And he offered that to us as a gift. And just like Adam, who didn't have any say over the creation of his wife, were given a gift. And if you guys understand the context of when Adam saw his wife, it was kind of like, you did good, God. It was like, you did, yeah, it was like, hey, that's, and so God has given us the community where we should say, God, you did good. You've, you've given me these people. And so we gather because of Jesus Christ. And like the church at Colossians, sometimes we can be prone to forget, right? I mean, if some of you guys have been married for a few years, you remember the first few months of marriage, it was easy, like there was that honeymoon period. And then after a while, things started to kind of get real. Like it started to take some work. Like you actually had to work at this thing. Like the person you realized doesn't actually... They don't clean up like you thought they did. And suddenly, the reality of who they are is exposed. And so, if we believe that Jesus died for our forgiveness, and Paul says to forgive like Jesus forgives, how did Jesus forgive us? Completely and perfectly. And so, we need to remind ourselves practically of this, the work of Jesus Christ. We need to remind ourselves of who Jesus is, his nature, and his character, and that's where we anchor ourselves in. So why we gather is because of Jesus Christ. That's simple, it, right? And so we just put it all out on the table. Like these, these people are, you know, I mean, there's some people who come knocking on your door when they sell you this, or people who call, and you're like, man, would you just stop calling? Like, where are those people? When we gather, they're going to say, those are Jesus people. Those are people who are about Jesus Christ, functionally because we're experiencing the grace of Jesus Christ, functionally because we want other people to experience the good that we're experiencing in the community that we're experiencing. And so my hope and prayer for each of you guys is when you're out in the world and you're serving Jesus as a community, because we go together, right? So community is the context or where formation happens, but it's also the context where mission happens. So we believe that Jesus has given us life to go, but he hasn't sent us out by ourselves. He has sent us out with people who will go with us. And so he sent us out two by two, two four by four, six by six. You know, he's, he's just, let's keep doing the math, right? Who's good at math? Just keep going. And that's how Jesus has sent us. And so we believe that God has given us this incredible gift. It's called community. And in that, we're going to have to fight for it. The reason I say we're going to fight for it is because we are doing something practically that is new for our area. I've lived here for about five years, and I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen this type of community yet. And so we are a, um, a beginning community. We are a community that is just starting, and when things are starting to get off the ground, they're fairly weak yet, right? I mean, they can be e- easily pushed off. They, they can be knocked down. And so if, and I'm not trying to put down, this is, I'm trying to say this as gracefully as I can, I feel like what's happened in our community is Satan has done a good job of fighting and hurting churches. And so what happens in churches is people begin to butt heads. They begin to fight. And I recognize that those dynamics are there. But we got we to be people who come back and say, you know what? 
that I know what scripture says. I know that I'm a sinner. And because of God's grace, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I know that they're a sinner. And sometimes you go, but they're the bigger sinner. But I'm still going to forgive them. And so we're, we're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna fight. We're not going to fight each other. We're going to fight for each other. Because we want a community that describes that, right? We want to come on Sundays. We want to say, man, there is life that is given. There is hope to be had. God is doing something that is sweet. And so we naturally feel like, man, I want to go live out my life for Jesus Christ. Because in my heart, I'm becoming compassionate towards people. The anger is subsiding. The anxiety is going away. I trust in the security to provide for me. All of that is starting to dissipate. And suddenly, because of this belief in the why of Jesus Christ, I'm starting to gather with people who otherwise I wouldn't gather with. I'm gathering with people who otherwise wouldn't be committed to me like they otherwise would be. When I go to mechanics, the only reason the mechanic is committed to me is because I give them lots of money. And I'm like, man, I would like that our relationship would be a little bit deeper than this, right? Well, I mean, can you name anybody? I mean, I would like it to be a little deeper than this. And so we gather with people who functionally aren't trying to get something from us, but they have got something from God. And, and now we get to gather and we say, man, it's just sweet to be somewhere where people don't expect something of me. People don't desire something of me. They just, they love me, right? Now, I'm not saying that we don't serve each other. I'm not saying that we don't live for Jesus Christ. I get all of that. But we're not here because of how much money you can give us, because you're super good at anything else. Like, you're here because we love you. I'm here because you guys love me, and when we go on public, we love each other. We care about each other. So love gathers. Love pulls us into community. Jesus pulls us into community. And so when we say that we value down, up, in, and out, what we're saying in all that is we value Jesus Christ because he gives life, and he's the community builder. And we want to see community shaped by Jesus Christ because those are the best kind of communities. Does that make sense? And so practically, when we go out here today, we have a decision. We can go throughout the rest of the week, and we can say, you know what? Man, I'm busy. Um, My Monday is my Monday. My Tuesday is my Tuesday. Or my hope for you, just really practically, is this. You could have community around you where you could celebrate what God is doing in your life. So my prayer for you is this, or the practical for you, is to put yourself in a situation where you can say God is working in your life because of those who he's putting around you. If that's not there, then put yourself there. Very practically, one of the ways we do that is through midweek gatherings we call city groups. And so we gather during the week because we believe that Jesus, that the, the, the midweek gathering is just as important as the Sunday gathering. Okay? So we don't value one over the other. We say they're both as important. We want you guys to know that Jesus loves you on Wednesday, just like he loves you on Sundays. But both of those communities are being formed and they're important. And so my practical for you guys is put yourself in a context where you can say Jesus is forming and he is fitting in community. And so my hope for each of you guys is that that would be something you know. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Um, we thank you that on this holiday weekend, uh, we're gathering. We didn't just go, um, we gathered, Lord. Just I thank you for that. I thank you for each person that's here. Uh, Lord, I just, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would work in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, and that by the grace of Jesus Christ, well, we can know that we're not alone. I pray for each person that's in here who feels alone, that they would know that they're not alone. I pray for each person who might think, Lord, that you've given up on them, or they might need a reminder that you haven't, that you would be with them. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't feel pressed into community, but we would feel called. 
I pray that your grace would beckon us to want to gather with other people and that whatever um, guilt or an anxiety or whatever fear we might have, that those would just fall away and be left to the side. I pray for each person that's here, Lord, I ask that you would put people in their life who could point them to your love, that they could know that you love them and they could feel loved by others. Lord, I thank you for communities. I thank you that we're not alone. Where sin seems to reign, where brokenness seems to be so prevalent, Lord, you have given us this place and this space with these people so that we can have a resemblance of your love and we can say that Jesus truly is good. I thank you for each person that's here. I thank you for your love for them. I thank you for your grace for them. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be with them and bless them as they go and they could just feel a love and a tug to want to gather with other people who love Jesus Christ. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.